0: Hello and welcome to the New to Canada podcast, the show that shares honest, real-life stories and insider info from internationals living in Canada. I am your host, Kate Johnson, and I made the big move from England to Canada in 2017 after falling in love with a Canadian. Join me as I chat with fellow newcomers and learn all about where they are from in the world, why they chose Canada as their new home, and the lessons they've learnt along the way. It's great to have you. When we move to a new country, we all have the same mission to find new connections, rebuild our friendship circles, and hopefully grow some meaningful relationships with those around us in our new home. But what happens instead? We all attend a bunch of events and meetups, but end up playing it safe and sticking to small talk. This episode's guest is Jan Keck, who moved from Germany to Toronto back in 2008, and it took him six years to finally break free from small talk and chase after deeper conversations with those around him.
1: Usually the networking event means, oh, we're at a bar. There you go. Meet people. Uh, and you end up yeah, just talking about the weather and what you do, and you leave with business cards, but you haven't really met anyone. and. I wasn't really aware of that in the beginning. I just felt like this is where I need to be to meet people. And I would feel really exhausted at the end of it and not know why. In the end, I realized, hey, I'm having all of these surface level conversations. I'm We're not really fr- like we're Facebook friends, but we're not really friends. Like They don't know anything about me. I don't know anything about them
0: in this episode Jan explains why he is on a self-declared small talk detox. He gives us some really great tips for overcoming that dread when faced with introducing yourself to a stranger and then how to nourish and grow both your new and existing connections so that you can look around and finally find yourself surrounded by your people. Let's start the show. Hello, Mr. Jan Keck. How are you this morning? Or this afternoon, I should say.
1: <laughs> I'm really good. Is it afternoon? Well, just six minutes past, past yes. noon. So yes, it is afternoon.
0: You always have that awkward when you have Zoom meetings at work. It's like, hello, good morning. It's like, oh, it's afternoon. Haha. <laughs> it's like always the joke that you go through <laughs> every day at work.
1: Yeah. I have a lot of calls with people all over the the world, basically. And it's always like, yeah, good morning and afternoon
0: and evening. (laughs) Yeah, whatever applies, just check the box. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I've been looking forward to connecting with you for a long time now. You are an authority on a topic that I find so, so interesting. And that is creating deeper connections, overcoming the small talk, the social anxieties, feeling less alone and and building those meaningful relationships with, with the people around you using conversation tools. And yeah, I'm excited because this is relevant and, and can help absolutely everyone but i think it's particularly valuable for internationals living abroad you know setting up in a foreign country trying to make brand new connections in all areas of your life from scratch so yeah i'm excited to to get some great tips on all that and uh thanks so much for coming on the show and chatting with us
1: yeah i'm excited to chat about this as well it's something that i'm very passionate about as you'll probably hear
0: Yes, excited. Okay, so first off, as always, let's hear more about your backstory. So you're originally from Germany. Where Where in Germany did you grow up?
1: Um, I grew up in a town called Heilbronn. It's near Stuttgart. And if you have heard of neither of them, it's kind of between Munich and Frankfurt, uh, which I hope that you've heard before.
0: Yes, there's just so much to talk about. I was looking up Germany and I've written down so many things I just, that I love about it. I've, I visited just once and I, I went to Munich. Uh, one of my best friends lives there. He teaches physical education at one of the international schools there and he's been there over 10 years now and absolutely loves it. I was lucky enough to visit him and, um, yeah, attend Oktoberfest, of course. So I'm guessing mm-hmm. you've been there. <laughs>
1: uh, I have not. I've not <gasps> been to the Oktoberfest in Munich because of the kind of unknown fact that almost every German city has their own beer festival. Oh. It's kind of like the Oktoberfest, but uh, smaller mm-hmm. and less tourists often. And they happen not just once a year, but like in Stuttgart, there is a spring beer festival and a fall beer festival. So you have the same thing happening twice a year.
0: Oh, amazing. And because they're local, you kind of know everyone there and it's, yeah, it's more of a gathering of everyone you know and your loved ones. I can imagine that's, that's awesome. Yeah, I loved Oktoberfest. For anyone that doesn't know, it's the world's largest Volksfest, beer festival, travelling fun fair. Um, celebrated since eighteen ten. So six million visitors come every year. And I loved the fact it was seven million litres of beer were poured last <laughs> time. <laughs> and I got to wear the Bavarian costume, and it's just like the energy that's that's around these festivals is so amazing. And the beer tents, you know, the music, you stand on the tables, you're dancing with everyone. I absolutely love it, and I would I would love to go back. But yeah yeah, maybe I should check out one of the local ones, but, or maybe not. Maybe the the Germans are going to be mad at us for sending the tourists.
1: (laughs) No, like there's still lots of tourists there, especially if you are living in one of those cities, even as like an international student, like you, of course you want to go there. And the funny thing is that even you only wear the Bavarian costumes in Bavaria, most other German cities in the last, I would say probably the last five years or so, it just became a tradition to also wear Lederhosen and Dündel, um, <laughs> even though it's not tradition to that region.
0: Yeah. Wow. I was going to say, are you a beer drinker? I guess that's a, a stupid question.
1: <laughs> I used to be a beer drinker, but I have to say that the last few years living in Canada, I kind of got sick a little bit of all of the fancy mm. new microbrewery, um, recipes that put all kinds of things in, in the beer. I, Yes. you might might have heard about the that there's like a law in germany that you can only use certain ingredients in the beer
0: yeah it's and like I, three right it's like yeast and uh water or something it's like three ingredients
1: <laughs> yeah so in germany i often go to a pub uh, or a bar and i just order a beer like i don't choose which one i just know whatever beer they have on tap is going to be a good one and here you have like menus with like super long lists and all kinds of nuances and i always feel like i'm taking a shot in the dark, either I'm going to like it or I'm not going to finish it.
0: Right. Well, what's the best beer brand to try if you visit Germany then? That's probably a better question because, yeah, that's that's where the good stuff is.
1: <laughs> well, I, I would say my two favorite beers, and that really depends on where I am, is uh, the one that is most popular uh, that you can get in almost everywhere is Augustina. Mm-hmm. Augustina Helles, which is like a, a, a lighter beer, but it's from uh, Bavaria. And then there's one really, really small brewery that I actually, I have some of their their merchandise around in our apartment because uh, we actually drove there for, when me and my wife got married in Germany, we drove to the brewery, we picked up a wooden beer barrel and like a big keg. And instead of having the cake cutting ceremony, we had tapping the keg ceremony at our wedding.
0: Oh my gosh, I love um, that.
1: Where we hit the spigot inside the wooden barrel and then the beer comes out and we serve beer for everyone. And it was maybe maybe my favorite part of the whole the whole event. Aside from of course marrying my wife.
0: <laughs> yeah, don't forget that. She's listening. <laughs> um yeah, I uh I, I love that. Took bring in some of your culture into your wedding i'm trying to think of ways to do it for us too like we're getting married in england and um trying to bring some canada things like we'll have like little bottles of maple syrup or something <laughs> trying <laughs> to think of that but yeah the keg thing is is that's really cool did you have steins like the big glass mugs
1: uh we actually had two custom ones made with our names and the wedding date on it yeah. um but then because we like we rented we were in germany the location they had a bunch of uh glass ones that all the guests could use
0: yeah I just remember like seeing how many of those massive jugs that people can carry at once like the servers if it blew my mind there was like 20 of them in these like girls arms like really cool how many can you hold is that like a party trick that you can pull out or
1: I I <laughs> don't think I ever tried
0: yeah it's dangerous like
1: it's 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 a lot of it's a lot of beer that goes to waste in case you can't lift it or you drop it so I haven't actually attempted
0: I was going to say that, yeah, it's a bit risky to waste the beer if it's that good too. <laughs> Another thing that I love about Germany is the the Christmas markets. And as an English person, I mean, I've only ever gone to Munich and it wasn't at Christmas time, but in England, we love a good German Christmas market. They're everywhere and to have like the bread and the sausages. And I just absolutely love that. It's one of my favorite things about going home at Christmas time. So did you have lots of Christmas markets as well where, where you were from?
1: Yeah, I, again, they, they exist in almost, I, I don't know if every city, every town has like a Christmas market. And there's one really small town near where I grew up and they still have like the old city with basically a castle and like the old churches and a fort that goes around like the center of the the old old city and it's cobblestone roads. And they have a Christmas market that just feels like you're transported back in time. Um Of course they have like electricity and everything, but Just with the ambience, with the the buildings around, it just feels like I don't know, uh, like a long time ago.
0: Yeah, just like one of those old Christmas cards. Like you're in in such a magical place. Yeah, and you have all the local kind of create like craft makers and all the different you know things that they make come out and sell it's such a great community event i love them and talking about castles there's 20,000 in germany i did not know that that is so many castles
1: yeah well you you've done a lot more research than than what i i know <laughs> about germany uh, i would not have been able to tell you that number but there are castles and forts like everywhere um there's one river that if you follow that along there's like a castle every like every 20 minutes you will find something and some of them are just the ruins and others, uh, like people still live there, or you can have restaurants in there.
0: Wow. Do you, because in France, we used to get canoes, and then you can just canoe the river and see all the different castles as you go. Can you do that in Germany as well?
1: I'm sure. I, I don't yeah. know exactly where that river that I'm thinking of is maybe a little bit too big to like canoe. Um, but they have boats that go up and down there as well. They're like, also big boats transporting, like coal and other things on there. So you have to be a bit careful if you're in a small boat.
0: Yeah, <laughs> get tipped over. So what was it like growing up in in the town that you were from? Is it a small town? What, what did you do on a typical weekend? What's it like growing up there?
1: Oh, wow. Typical weekend. Uh, so the, the city has about, I think, 120,000 people. So it's not super small, Um, but because I was involved in a lot of different things, um, like looking back, I realized that community was a big part of me growing up, like being part of a sports club, uh, actually used to play tennis. I used to play soccer as a kid. I used to play handball and all of these things would be different clubs with different people. Uh, I joined, um, some other youth organizations, uh, summer camp. I was involved in politics. Like I did a lot of things. My weekends don't remember specifically, but they were probably pretty, pretty busy. Like I remember that friends of mine always would tell me, I don't understand how you fit all of that into a week, how you do all of these things. <laughs> and with it came that I just knew a lot of people in, in my hometown. Um, like if I walked through the city on a weekend, the chance that I meet at least one person randomly walking down the street was really, really high. Wow.
0: And then you moved to Toronto. So you moved to Toronto in 2008. So you went from that community feel where you had all those people that you knew and you'd integrated yourself into so many different groups and then kind of starting from scratch back in 2008. So 13, 14 years ago. How was that? What What brought you here? Let's start, let's start with that.
1: Yeah, uh, actually, before I moved here, there was two other moves that kind of, um, after I left my hometown, first was I actually traveled in Australia and New Zealand for a year. Mm-hmm. Like so many, uh, I feel like Europeans, especially Germans do now is take a year off once you graduate uh, school before you start studying or working and take that year abroad. And I went to Australia and New Zealand because I wanted to improve my English um and canada was also on the list but at that time i said i want to choose the the hot countries not the cold ones
0: yeah naturally plus it's (laughs) further
1: away from germany i really wanted to just get away to almost the other side of the globe which when i checked it was pretty much there and That experience just opened me
0: up. Yeah, I did exactly the same thing. And it's so funny when you go there, it's like, oh, you're in Europe, you have so many amazing countries so close by. And it's like, you're so right. And I just haven't (laughs) explored them. I just went the furthest way possible because I thought, right, I'm going traveling and I'm going to go to Australia, to Thailand, you know, the other side of the world. So that's really funny.
1: Yeah, it definitely is interesting to think about how close things are now living in Canada or traveling in Australia where everything is just so far away to get to the next place, right? Yeah,
0: and when you meet somebody new, you're so excited and then it's like, oh, so where do you live? And it's like a two and a half hours drive away and you're like, oh God, no, like, damn it, Canada. Like, you're so big. Whereas in England, if I meet somebody, it's always so close and or you could get a train so quickly to that place. Whereas, yeah, you're definitely a a lot more isolated in a big country like like Canada, but... Yeah. So you moved to Australia and then you said another country after that? Well,
1: I moved back to back to Germany uh, to study, to start my studies, um, which was also an interesting story how, how I ended up there because um, I did not plan to come back from Australia when I did. I said, um, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I'm going to apply for this one program that people told me I wouldn't get in. And I said, if I don't get in, I will continue traveling. But then I did get in and had to basically wrap up my trip, fly back to Germany. And literally a day before my first class started, I moved into the student housing. So like two days before I arrived in my parents' place, basically unpacked my suitcase, packed a new suitcase, moved into the student housing, started studying. And that's also how I eventually ended up in Canada because I met um, some Canadian exchange students. I uh, also had a exchange or a professor that is from Toronto, from the university here, which was the partner university to mine. And he did a semester there. We connected a lot. And in the end, I was able to get a scholarship to do my internship semester abroad. And I picked Canada and got in touch with some Canadians that I've met. That hooked me up with a an internship at a documentary film production company. Oh, nice! So that's how I ended up here. Um, and even those connections to those Canadians was seemingly all like by accident. Like looking back, the that I ended up here is really surprising. Yeah. If you look back at all of the different uh, moments that that got you somewhere or made you change something in your life like moving to a different country it's it's really tiny moments
0: yeah oh absolutely i'm definitely a believer in that especially me i mean i didn't have canada was never on my radar i went traveling in thailand and australia and i met a canadian and then boom i'm here i never that was never a a plan in my life so i'm definitely the poster child for that (laughs) that idea so yeah yeah, that's cool. So you went, that's good that you had a scholarship, right? Because I love that in Germany, education is free, as, even for international people. So you were mentioning there was exchange students and different internationals that were studying there. It's, it's free in Germany. That's so amazing. You don't have the debt or the, you know, the payments following you around. That must be so nice. But then, yeah, to come and study here and have a scholarship as well. That's, that's cool. Yeah. Um, so. Toronto. What was it like landing landing there? Then had you ever been to Canada before, or it was just you'd moved and then you were you were here?
1: <laughs> I uh, one of the exchange students that I would not say was a friend was more like an acquaintance. Like we knew about each other, but I basically asked her, "Hey, you're the only person that I know in Toronto. Uh, can I crash on your couch for like a day or two until I figure out where I want to stay? Because I didn't want to pay for a hotel right away." Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, "Sure." So. Uh, I think I took the ca- a cab from the airport to her place. I arrived in the evening. And that night, uh, there was, I think, 30 centimeters of snow. Oh my gosh. So I woke up the next morning. This was end of January. Uh, so I woke up the next morning with, in the middle of this snow wonderland, a huge snowstorm. And I was so excited that I literally went outside, grabbed my coat, and just started walking down the street. And I was probably the yeah. only person outside because all the other Canadians <laughs> that later I met, uh, that day were like, you're crazy. What, what are you doing outside? Um, but I just walked like for probably like an hour or more down the street. Cause I also wanted to see where do I, where is the office that I actually need to go to work to like a couple of days later? So I wanted to get my sense of how does the city work? And I love, I love exploring new places by, by foot or or by bike, because I feel like you get such a good sense of, um, of a city that way.
0: Yeah. What a great plan. Like you just wake up no matter what the weather is. Nope. I got to go explore my new neighborhood. I got to get out there. That's, that's great. And I love that it's the same for everybody if you're not used to the snow it's so funny like the Canadians just think we're we're so nuts like I ran outside when it rained when it snowed the first time like that and I was just watching my feet sink so deep and that I'd never even gone really skiing before in my life I hadn't seen snow that deep before so I just remember that feeling of feeling my feet sink so much and I was going oh my god at least the (laughs) Canadians were just like what is wrong with you but yeah yeah that's cool yeah, what was it like in the, the first few months? Was it everything that you'd kind of pictured it would be? Uh, did you struggle with certain things? Tell us a bit about the first, the first few months there.
1: Yeah, I I don't know if I had big expectations or known a lot of what to expect uh, in Canada. All I knew is that I all the Canadians that I met seemed like they're great great people.
0: Yeah, super like, welcoming. I think
1: I'm gonna en- I'm I'm gonna enjoy being around them and. Uh, of course, my plan was to explore all of Canada at one point. But it, when I started, when I came here, I had a job that I went to Monday to Friday. Um, so there was a bit of adjustment process there. And then finding an apartment, I think was a quite, quite a good adventure too. I remember again, because I love to walk. Um, and I had the only map that I had was a tourist map. And I think I looked at an apartment that was just at the edge of the tourist map. What I didn't know is that on the tourist map they didn't—they only wrote down the big streets, not the small streets. So one block was actually like four or five blocks. Oh, okay. Um, so once I started walking, I realized, hey, this map isn't that accurate, and it took me way longer to get to places. Um, <laughs> but I did find a place that I remember paying five hundred dollars for, and it was—I actually just visited that the house again uh, a few weeks ago. It ended up being. A house where eight people lived in, and it had only one kitchen and three washrooms. But most people didn't use the kitchen. I feel like I was the, one of the only persons, only only people that, that uh, cooked. So I quickly met the two other people that also used the kitchen, and we kind of connected a lot. And that, I think, was uh, when it comes to meeting new people. Like I said, I literally only knew this one acquaintance when I came here. Meeting people was really important to me. And, um, although I was used to also attending events by myself, having traveled for a year by myself, more or less, uh, is always as good if you can have somebody else tag along. So at least the first awkward few minutes when you walk into a venue is, uh, is not, it doesn't feel that long. It's not as scary
0: yeah and it's good that you had that one person to you know she could introduce you to people she knew and then to sh- have shared accommodation as well is a huge thing even if it's temporary just to do that for you know the initial first accommodation and I think I would do that too if I was in the spot where I didn't know anybody um because yeah some of my best friends my whole life were were friends that I met from from sharing a house in England and yeah they're my bridesmaids so yeah it's just great when you live with people you can connect with them quicker, I guess. Right. So yeah. Yeah. I was going to say as well, your biggest struggle, I noticed on your website, I was just going to say your, your biggest struggle was probably when you ran up the 1776 steps of the CN tower. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about that. Cause that's a struggle or it would be for me.
1: <laughs> well, I always was a person that was not that much into t- doing touristy things. Like if everybody does it, I'm like, mm. I'm not interested in doing that too. So everybody takes up the elevator to the CN tower. I'm like, I'm going to take the stairs but it's only open twice a year <laughs> if you raise money for the World Wildlife Fund or uh, another oh, uh, wow. non-profit. So um, I end up signing up with a few people that I've met through couchsurfing. Um, and I would say that was actually the the best thing that I've done in the beginning was join meetups of that community of other people that were traveling. Like it felt like everybody was from somewhere. I remember one mm-hmm. friend, uh, her parents were from like Russia and Nepal, but she grew up in Canada and like everybody had such interesting stories and backgrounds that I very quickly connected with everyone. And we had a group of us that you kind know, of together decided, Hey, we should climb the CN tower and we started training for it. And I've done it now three times. I was supposed to do it the fourth time, um, in May 2020. That never happened. Oh uh, of God. course.
0: How long does it take?
1: Um, my record i think was just under 14 minutes
0: okay yeah see i don't have a i need to compare that to somebody i guess you you've been training and stuff i'd probably be doing it for a bit longer than like that like if you can get it yeah, that's really cool if
1: you can do it under half an hour that's pretty good like it's to put in perspective yeah. like you said 1776 steps or 144 flights so like i live in the 25th floor right now so i would have to climb up all the steps, like six times or so. Oh
0: my gosh. And then you get to the top and then what, you have a drink and kind of relax up there and celebrate, I guess. And then you take the lift down or?
1: (laughs) You definitely take the lift down because there's only (laughs) one stairwell and there's still people coming up. Like that's usually like thousands of people going up on that one day. And you start, Mm. depending on like how quick you are, there's a a group that goes fast on a faster pace in the very early in the morning, like 6 a.m., But then there's like families going up there later in the day.
0: Right. I did not even know this was a thing. So again, like that's so great that how do you find out about these things? You know, you meet new people. I guess it was through the events that you were going to and you heard about it and you met people and got a team together. It's all kind of, again, like going back to what we said, it's those small things that you decide to do. It kind of takes you in different paths.
1: Mm -hmm. I think in the beginning, it was a lot through that couchsurfing community that somebody said, Hey, uh, I've never been to Toronto Island. Does anybody want to join me? And I said sure. Uh, and then somebody said like, Hey, let's let's take some photos. Let's turn it into like a photo walk. Everybody bring a camera. And we're like, cool.
0: Yeah, that's so great. And I did the same thing, like meetup.com was my saviour when I wanted to meet other international people, which has been so important to me always, because those are the people that kind of understand more about what you're going through, if you miss home, or if you're, you know, different challenges that you're facing, if when you've moved here, like that kind of, even just a rant about things in Canada, that's frustrating you, those kind of things. It's yeah, that kind of community was really important to me as well. And yeah, meetup.com. And I never tried couch surfing, but I've heard such good things about it as well. And yeah, meeting friends, we'll get into it, I'm sure, but meeting friends as an adult is, is tough. And now we have the internet. It's, yeah, there's some great places out there.
1: Yeah, I, I would say couch surfing was really popular back then, uh, 14 years ago. I don't know anybody who's still using it. I still have friends from like that first few months that I've met that are still friends today. But the challenge actually was that out of all of the people that I met, probably three quarters or like, a lot of people ended up not staying in Canada and moving back or moving mm. on to a new country. So the challenge was, hey, I just made some new friends. I really like to be around. Suddenly they're moving away and you're back alone. So I, I realized that although I have a lot of things in common, that might not be the best place to find these long-term friendships.
0: Yeah. Yeah such a good point and that's that's come up before as well where yeah you meet and it's happened to me too you've met the people that you really 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 click with and then they're just travelers just like you and that's probably why I connected with them because they're they're adventurers, and yeah they just move on and you lose them you got to start all over again but yeah, so let's, let's dive more into that. So as we mentioned, you're a facilitator and trainer, video creator, father, husband, adventurer. But my favorite thing that you've written about yourself on your website is that you help people feel less alone because that's my mantra as well. That, you know, that's why I created this podcast to be a platform where people can hear stories that they can relate to and that they, they can see their experience in. So, you know, you're not crazy when you think you're the only one, you know, struggling with a certain thing after moving here. So yeah. I'm really interested in in learning more about what brought you to this career path. Can you tell us a bit more about what you do and how you came to offer these these services?
1: Yeah. So after I kind of found Couchsurfing, I think I also attended some meetup.com events, uh, found some Facebook groups. I would attend probably an event every day or every other day uh, and just go out and network. And a lot of these events, unfortunately, were called networking events. And like those are the events that I now cringe and I don't want to attend anymore. (laughs) Because usually the networking event means, oh, we're at a bar. There you go. Meet people.
0: Business card. (laughs) Uh,
1: And you end up yeah just talking about the weather and what you do. And you leave with business cards, but you haven't really met anyone. Right. Um, And I wasn't really aware of that in the beginning. I just... Felt like this is where I need to be to meet people. And I would feel really exhausted at the end of it and not know why. Mm. In the end, I realized, hey, I'm having all of these surface level conversations. I'm uh, just connecting with people on LinkedIn or Facebook, but we're not really like we're Facebook friends, but we're not really friends. Like they don't know anything about me. I don't know anything about them. And uh, it wasn't until I attended a weekend retreat and that was six years after I moved here. Um, where I thought we are going to uh, actually started a business at that time already with a business partner in video production. And we both attended because it was a goal setting retreat. And I thought, oh, this might be a good chance for us to set some business goals. And then um, we've been wanting to do that. We would get that done in a weekend. Turns out it was not a business retreat. It was a personal development retreat. And we were setting personal goals uh, around like relationships and lifestyle and uh, figuring out like career and business as well. But that was only a small part of it. And in that weekend, I now say I made 30 new friends in 48 hours because at the very end when everybody was saying goodbye to each other, I had this, it was almost like a spiritual experience. Um, you probably remember the Care Bears like the kids TV show that kind of shoot rainbows out of their bellies. Yes. Um, that's what I was visualizing in the room when everybody was saying goodbye. It's just like everybody's Aww. energy was like vibrating and shooting around the room. And it was just so like, it was, it was almost like being on drugs. Like everybody was so high.
0: Wow. Um,
1: I felt like people were floating around the room. They weren't walking as
0: yeah.
1: really trippy. Uh, even now thinking about that experience, but what actually happened on that weekend is for maybe the first time since I moved to Canada, nobody asked me, what do you do? Um, I could actually be myself and talk about the challenging things without fear of being made fun of or people not understanding. Like We were actually listening to each other. We had these really vulnerable conversations. We had to be really uncomfortable. We it was, again, in Canadian winter. I feel like there's already a theme developing Canadian winter and hardships and challenges make for great experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, we had to climb this high rope structure in the winter and you had to work together as a team. So it was two climbers on one side, two on the other, and the rest of your team would hold the rope so you don't fall. And then they said it was going to be a race which team can get up first. Turns out uh, the first few steps you can do by yourself, the next few steps you need your team member, to get to the very top, you need to collaborate with your opponents, and only one person can get to the top. So it was things like this that really helped create these what I now call uh, magical moments, where we felt connected in a way that wouldn't happen if you just sat at the bar with uh, with a beer in your hand yeah. and and you uh, chat about I don't know what uh, sports team won the game last weekend.
0: Yeah, it's, it's that superficial stuff. Yeah. And like you said, the care bear thing, it just, it's that human connection. It's so important. And even though we live in this world today that just feels so open with the internet and travel and we are surrounded by people and their lives 24 seven. But despite that though, like I feel like loneliness is a real challenge because you, like you said, you just get that surface level relationship. You see only the person's highlights on social media you can meet more and more people very easily, very quickly at these events and especially now with virtual things as well. But yeah, it's hard to, to break through and actually build deeper connections as an adult. And yeah, I almost feel like we do all want deeper connections. Like every single person wants a close friendship or friendships and a supportive network around us. But then at the same time, we get into those situations where we're just talking about the weather, like you said, and we're all guarded and protecting ourselves. It's, it's very strange. I don't know.
1: <laughs> it is. And um, I always say, if somebody just asks you a small talk questions, like what you do, it's not because they're actually interested or they want to have that conversation. It's just because we're so primed to that's what you're supposed to talk about. And mm-hmm. everything else takes uh, people moving out of their comfort zone a little bit. And that can be scary for some people. Um, yeah. Like I ended up making these buttons um, that say, I'm on a small talk detox. I love and that. I, those are the ones that I usually wear when I attend any like event in person. And um, I can easily tell people, hey, uh, I know you just t- asked me about what do I do, but uh, would you mind if we talk about something more meaningful? And not a single person has ever said, no, I actually do really want to continue talking about the weather. Yeah. Uh, and not, nothing else. Who does? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So once you invite people to join you, they're usually quite open. And it's amazing what types of things will come out of um, just asking a slightly different question. Like even instead of asking, what do you do? Asking, hey, what's really exciting in your life right now? Mm. You're going to get a whole different response. You can even like see it in the body language and the facial uh, reaction, just saying that question. Like people will start to get excited because you ask them about something exciting.
0: Yes. And questions. It's it's about asking different questions that, that aren't just the norm. I love that. I love that. And that's where, tell us about the cards because that's where I found you. I think I saw somebody recommend your cards in, in, and I think it was a Facebook group where people were talking about networking events and and someone actually posted a link to to the cards. So tell us about that.
1: Yeah. So based on that retreat, um, I, made it my mission to re-engineer what happened and see if I can create more experiences for other people like that. And that's exactly how I started. I started creating different events, experiences for people that basically, we said, uh, small talk's not allowed. We're only going to talk about deep, meaningful things. And hmm. one of the other things I've realized from that retreat was that technology was not present. Right. Because my we were like north of the city. My phone didn't have reception, so I just turned it off for a weekend. And not having that constant distraction buzzing in your pocket and whenever you have like a a slow moment just like for everybody listening i i'll give you this challenge every time you take out your phone when you're waiting for the elevator when you're in the elevator when you're uh like standing in line at the checkout of the cashier put it back in your pocket and see what would happen if you didn't look at your phone like all of those little moments suddenly were basically looking around the room, everybody else was doing the same and we started connecting with each other and having conversations and um, it was really liberating.
0: You know, if you're in a restaurant and you're, you're, the person you're in the restaurant goes to the washroom, the first thing I do is grab my phone because I'm awkward sitting at the table by myself. But yeah, I always think that. I'm like, no, I'm going to put my phone away and you know do some people watching and yeah, you never know.
1: <laughs> I just asked some friends that question, like how did they meet the person that h- had the biggest impact on their life? Um, just like two days ago, I went on a little walk with some friends and, uh, asked that question. And the interesting thing is all of those connections happened because they started talking to a stranger. It wasn't like signing up online or, uh, browsing on Facebook. It was, Oh, I was at a restaurant and I just talked to the person next, like next to me. And now we're like best friends. Or I attended this event and started chatting with someone in the break. It's all of those little moments that you will meet people that might have a big impact on you. But if we're always on our phone, that's basically signaling to everyone like hey, that person doesn't want to talk to anyone.
0: Yeah, or headphones, you know, that's another way of saying, you know, I'm not interested and, and like you sit on a plane and you just put your headphones in and ignore the person next to you. Um, yeah, that's awesome. I think that's the biggest challenge though, that first initial outreach to a stranger. Do you have any tips for us for that? Because I know for me, um that's that is a real challenge when you see somebody, you're like, Oh, they look so cool and I think what I've tried to do is kind of do to, to, to kind of give more compliments and without, it's a, it's a fine balance between coming off kind of creepy and desperate, but like it's just a, you know, a small act of kindness, like, oh my God, I absolutely love your bag or, you know, it's easier for girls to, to compliment on appearance, but, um, that kind of thing I've, I've tried to do more of and who doesn't like a compliment? Um, or if you see someone reading a book and you say, oh my gosh, I loved that book. How are you finding it? What, what kind of things do you, do you, what tips do you have for bridging that initial first gap?
1: Yeah. Like I, I actually call the things that you're talking about visual conversation starters. And it's a good practice for yourself to think about when you're going out, what is a visual conversation starter you could wear that will make it easier for others to start a conversation with you? Oh, and I love like, that. I love how you mentioned like books. Uh t-shirts. Like, I don't know if you love a band and you wear the, the t-shirt with the band on it, anybody else who loves the band might just start a conversation with you because they see it. Yes. Um, same like the other way around. Or uh, I feel like a lot of people start conversations with me because they see my hat or uh, at conferences sometimes wear a bow tie. And I actually <laughs> once attended uh, TEDx Toronto and b- made it my mission to take a selfie with every other person wearing a bow tie. There were only four of us and like A crowd of a thousand but i mean those four people like we had an in-depth conversation that basically just started with hey i really like your bow tie do you mind if we take a selfie yeah um and then they were like cool and like who are you and we started the conversation from there
0: yeah Oh, I love that because you're putting the responsibility on yourself as well and not trying to find people with interesting things. You're putting them on yourself to hope to attract people too. I've never thought about it that way. That's a great mindset shift there as well.
1: If if I can just add one more thing, if anybody's attending networking events or conferences where you have a name tag, customizing your name tag is the easiest way to help other people start a conversation with you. Like adding a custom Mm -hmm. sticker to it or a button that says something like, I have my small talk detox button usually that I that I add to it. Um, yeah, all of those things will make you stand out and make it easier to then start talking to.
0: Yeah, and I think honestly one of my biggest lessons when it comes to meeting new people since moving here is that I unintentionally. Judged a book by its cover. And I know a lot of us do where you have your friends from home that are a certain type of people and you're looking for that person in Canada or wherever you move to, or you see somebody and they're kind of out there and you don't think you're going to gel with them. So you just write it off. But I've really made that conscious effort to just talk to absolutely everybody that wants to talk to me. And some of my friends are, are people that I never would have expected to be friends with. They don't enjoy anything I enjoy. But it's yeah, that was a huge thing as well that to just kind of throw any expectations out the window and just and talk to people, all types of people.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's it's definitely uncomfortable. And if even if I'm thinking about right now, where I haven't really been out around strangers in person for like the last year and a half.
0: Yeah, we're all rusty. What are we gonna do?
1: <laughs> it's like I'm an introverted person. Uh, I don't necessarily enjoy that part of meeting people, of having to step outside of your comfort zone and then putting like, it's risky. You're not sure how they're going to respond. But at the same time, I so value the connections and the conversations that come out of it that I push myself. And um, it's almost maybe similar to dating. Whatever your first sentence is doesn't really matter. Like, say anything. Say, hi, my name is Jan. How are you? (laughs) And that's it. Like, you don't have to overcomplicate it uh, as long as you I think are open and curious to actually get to know people. Uh, whatever the first step is, take it. And there's like another, um, another tip, especially if you have a little bit more anxiety around walking up to a stranger. Whenever you have the impulse to talk to someone, take the first step right away, and then just take mm-hmm. another step. And by the time you start second guessing, you're already in front of them, and they already like realize that you're walking towards them. So there's no no hesitation of going back Um because I remember in the beginning that was a lot of me was wanting to talk to a person then thinking oh what what if they don't like me what should I say Oh, let me get a drink first and I would go to the bar and I would get a drink and like okay let me get some courage and I would finish my beer and I'm like uh, okay now I need to go to the washroom and I would go to the washroom and I would end leaving events not talking to anyone really so when you have the impulse like take action right
0: away yeah. And then I love that when you say the one thing, it's just think of all the conversations you've had. You never remember the first line anyway. You think you remember the connection that you had, you know, halfway through or at the end. Um, yeah. We glossed over the cards too, because I think they're such a good tool. Um, tell us about those. Yeah. Because I know I changed the subject and butt in there.
1: <laughs> well, I love how the conversation is flowing. Um, the the yeah. cards were basically a way for me to do two things. One is I realized that there's conversations I really want to have with my friends, with strangers, but I felt too uncomfortable bringing up a topic because if, uh, you ever attempted this to, to ask a question like, Hey, what do you struggle with in your relationships? Like just putting people on the spot makes me uncomfortable. Asking the question it would make me even more uncomfortable. If somebody asked me the question or at least yeah. like long time ago. Um, but pulling a card out of a deck. So the cards are deep questions on each card and you just basically pull one out. And instead of me asking the question to someone else and putting them on the spot, you pick your own question. So you pick a card, you read the question by yourself and that's the one that you answer. Uh, You also can exchange it. Uh, I usually tell people, take a deep breath before you exchange it and see what actually comes up. And maybe there's something else that you want to share because in the end, it's not about answering the question correctly. It's about starting different conversations. So each card or each level of the cards has different questions. And that's come out of a lot of the playtesting I've done and some research that you can't ask a super vulnerable question right away. You kind of have to warm up. You have to get to know someone. You have to build trust with each other and both people have to share. It can't just be one person. So by the end, you can actually have those deep, vulnerable conversations that Make you feel like you found someone who you share a lot of things with, uh, even if in the beginning you thought you're completely different. Um, mm-hmm. but you have to get there. You need to go through different stages. So there's curious, brave and vulnerable questions. And I highly recommend that you go into in that order. Um, and by round three, um, yeah, you, you'll have people open up about things that they might not have ever shared with anyone. And often what happens is you answering the question, you will learn something about yourself. And sharing that out loud with someone else, like it's it's something really vulnerable, but two people connect really deeply, really quickly that way.
0: Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. And it's just, it's about having the courage to just be yourself as well. You've got no pretenses when you've got that vulnerable question in front of you and you just be yourself and, um yeah, having that authentic sharing experience I think that's such such a great idea and it's putting the pressure off you and it's the question sorry the card came up and this is what we're talking about now and um yeah I think we all like I said earlier we all crave that that level of connection with people and because you want people to get you you want people to support you through things and have your back through things and they're not going to be able to do that if you don't start sharing these things as well and um yeah especially moving to a new country as well it's a struggle walking up to a stranger, but then what? You know, it's, it's, I love the whole changing those questions to be, um, you know, away from the standard small talk ones. I think this is so, so important. Yeah. Love
1: it. And once you get people to opt into the concept of let's not do a small talk, let's talk about something more meaningful. Like that's the most important step. Cause I sometimes get people uh, who see the cards and like, ooh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask these questions to my partner. I'm going to make them answer the questions, but that's not going <laughs> to work. Um, and yeah. as a tip, what I usually tell people who, who, who buy this and, and my friends, just if you have some people over for dinner, uh, if you have some friends over, just put the deck of cards on the table. So it's visible to everyone until somebody picks it up and asks, Hey, what is this? And let them read the kind of description on the outside, maybe pull out a few. And only then I would ask, Hey, this is to help kind of get beyond small talk and have some more meaningful conversations, really get to know each other. If you're interested, we could play around. Um, mm. That's the best strategy because every, un- unless you're one of those people that uh, is like me, who I host dinner parties and I tell people from the invitation up front, uh, no cell phones allowed. We're going to be talking about deep vulnerable things. If that doesn't sound like something you'd be into, uh, you don't have to come. Um, Mm -hmm. and I would like, I'll find enough people because those are the people I want to have around. And that's like another thing I'll be doing a lot of, um, if like now that we're moving to a new place, anytime I would move to a new place and I want to meet people, once I've met like a handful, like three, four people that I find interesting, I would actually organize a dinner or get together and with those instructions, Hey, this is about really getting to know each other. And. And talking about deep vulnerable things, uh, are you interested? Because that to me personally is one of the the things that are really important in my life. And Mm -hmm. if they say yes to that, that's a really good sign that we might turn that acquaintance into a friend
0: yeah and it's like fast forwarding the whole process because like you said it took you six years of living in Canada before you went on that retreat and before you learned these things um so now that we have you know you've done the hard work and you have these cards you have your courses to you know like the find your people course which I love as well definitely recommend checking that out um yeah I think that's that's great that that you can just jump right into it. And like you mentioned as well, it's, it's not only about meeting new people. You can apply the, these things to your existing relationships. You know, I, I watched one of your YouTube videos from a talk that you gave where you shared a story about your parents, that you were talking to them on Zoom because you'd moved abroad and you felt guilty as the only child. You know, you'd moved to Canada and left them and, you know, you'd have your Zoom catch-ups with your parents, but then you'd find yourself on your phone or kind of not really present with them. So... Again, it's like using these questions as, as kind of jumping into more of a meaningful conversation with people. It's, yeah, it's cool.
1: Yeah, sometimes we all need just a little prompt or a little push um,
0: mm-hmm. to,
1: to all enjoy the conversation. Again, I don't think there's a lot of people who enjoy doing small talk for more than five minutes. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that small talk is bad. I fi- find it's often necessary to just kind of feel out am I vibing with this person at all before you like share something a little bit deeper, or ask a deeper question, um, but you don't want to get stuck there. That's to to me, that's like a dead end.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then you just have contacts instead of friends, right? So yeah. Well, thank you so, so much. This is as amazing as I thought it would be. Uh, let us know where people can find you if they want to learn more about deep, meaningful connections or on your cards and your courses. Um, where can we find you?
1: So if you go to askdeepquestions.com, that will probably be the best place. That's where you find out about the cards, but also it's my personal website. So it will link to all of the other things once you explore the menu on the top, Um, which basically is the same as my personal website, which is yankeck.com. But that's maybe a little bit harder to remember or to spell. So Ask Deep Questions is easier.
0: Perfect. Thank you so, so much for listening. As always, it would mean the world to us if you could leave us a quick review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening from. And then if you're loving the show so far, recommend us to your friends. Spread word and help us grow this exciting community. Until next week.